You're listening to the First Corinthians When Immaturity Meets Worldliness series preached by Pastor Rick Dressler at Maple City Baptist Church in Chatham, Ontario. For more information about Maple City, please visit us online at maplecitybaptistchurch.com. Take your Bibles this morning, if you would. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Some of you may be disappointed this morning. First, because you see me. But secondly, um, because maybe you came this morning expecting a Mother's Day kind of message. I have to be honest with you. Um, as I go through Scripture, I hardly ever pick special days. Maybe I should. Maybe it's better that I do. But we've sort of been working our way through the New Testament. And, and for Easter uh, and Christmas, maybe I do do that. But we're at chapter 6 in our study. And chapter 6 is really a rough chapter. And um, toward the end of this chapter, it's talking about prostitution. And I just thought, maybe it's not appropriate for Mother's Day. All right? Maybe that just wouldn't be the Mother's Day message that I would bring out. That's for next week, actually. All right? Um, but I'm going to stay in the text. Um, because no matter what day it is, we still need God's word. It still speaks to us. And it's, it's all about Jesus and what he's done. So we're going to be in chapter 6, but we're just going to take three verses this morning. Verses 9 through 11. Now, let me say a couple things to you this morning. Um, as always, when you open the Word of God, when you, when you teach or preach a message, there's the possibility and even the probability that what you say may be misunderstood. I'm amazed how often I will preach or teach a message, and when I'm done, someone will approach me and say, listen, when you said so-and-so, And I have to say, I never said so-and-so. And And we have recordings, I think, that keep track of these things. Or they'll say, you know, when you said this, is that what you meant? And it's like, no, I never meant that. And so this morning, I need you um, to listen um, and and not to hear what I'm not saying. Does that make sense? Uh, Pastors have realized this is a problem in the past, one man who was preaching thought he'd like to do a little, um, an illustration with some props to get the point across. He was making a very powerful point. And so what he did was he brought four jars into the service on Sunday morning at a table. He placed them there. Each jar had something in it. The first was a jar of beer. The second was a jar of smoke. The third was a jar of chocolate. And the fourth was a jar of just rich, dark soil. And then as the message began... He took out four worms, four earthworms, and he put the first one in the jar of beer, sealed it off, and just let it sit there. He took the second worm, opened that jar up with the jar of smoke, and sealed it off, put the worm in there. He did the same with the third, with the jar of chocolate, and the fourth, with the soil, put them all there and just let them sit, and then he proceeded to preach his message. And right toward the end of the message, when he's making this powerful point, he said, now listen, I want to show you something. So he opened the first jar of beer, and the worm was dead. He opened the second jar of cigarette smoke, and the worm was dead. He opened the third jar of syrup, chocolate syrup, and the worm was dead. And of course, he opened the fourth jar, and the worm was alive and vibrant and doing well. And so he said, listen, you see the illustration. What's the point? And a woman in the back raised her hand and said, Pastor, I think the point is this. If we drink beer, smoke cigarettes, and eat chocolate, we will never get worms. Okay. <laughs> Now, 
Welcome to my world, man. <laughs> that wasn't the point. But that's the point that I got. And so, in chapter 6, there's some real heavy stuff here. Um, and, I, and I need you to listen and get the point. You might think I'm saying something, but I want to stay true to the text and, and try to help us this morning with what Paul is saying in chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. If you recall from last week, we left off and, and Paul is addressing a problem within the church. And just to sum it up again for you, this was the problem. Church guy A ripped off church guy B. Church guy B then, who was ripped off, then sued church guy A. Took him to um, civil court, took him before the magistrate, took him to the public hearing with jurors and a judge from the outside, outside the church. And Paul says that this behavior, this action of, of selfishness, this act of my rights and what I deserve, not seeing the big picture, the picture of Christ in your testimony as a church, he says, this act was terrible. He said, it's shameful that you would do this. And now he makes an interesting connection with that act. These guys suing each other, brothers and sisters in Christ, taking each other to a civil court. Shameful. Look what he says now in verse number 9. In, in light of what we just, just read and just reviewed, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul says your behavior, not only was it shameful, it was unrighteous. And then he connects, he, he wants them to think about what they're doing and the magnitude of what they're doing. He says, don't you know that unrighteousness shall not inherit the kingdom of God? He is talking to believers here. He is talking to at least two men who made a profession of faith in Christ. They're part of the church. He says, listen, your behavior is unrighteous. And don't you know that unrighteous behavior will not inherit the kingdom of God? Now listen to me. Right off the bat, this statement that Paul makes... It just sort of flies in the face of everything we hear and witness in our world today. Because what Paul is saying there, in essence, is this. There are some who go to heaven, and there are some who don't. All roads do not lead to God. They don't. And I know that smacks us in the face in our culture where we constantly hear things like, all roads lead to heaven, all religions are the same, all dogs, like Disney said, goes to heaven. And that may appeal to us because we live in a society, in a culture today, that we want everybody to win. We want to play games now that we don't keep score in. Now listen, I'm not talking about playing with your two-year-old um, Candyland, although I did cheat in that because I wanted to win at that as well. Um, but, and letting them win and, and building their self-esteem or whatever you want to call it. But I'm talking about a world that we want everyone to tie. We want everyone to feel good. We want everyone to be happy and we put our children in bubble wrap. 
so they can't get a scrape and they can't get a bruise. We, we encourage them not to run across the monkey bars when it's wet outside at 14 years old. Because you could fall and almost break your leg. Some child did that. I won't mention the one who did. But we live in this world that we just, we just like to believe that it's all the same. And we hear that. And maybe you're here this morning like that. Maybe as a Christian, you say, you know, you know wouldn't it be great if just, you know, sort of we could all get along and, and all the religions, aren't they basically the same anyways? And aren't we all going and reaching for God? You know, that sort of picture of this elephant, and we're all blind and we're touching parts of the elephant, but it's the same thing. Wouldn't that be great? You've heard that. You hear that. Let me give you a quote this morning by a great theologian, Oprah Winfrey. Okay? And I'm not here just to bash Oprah, but I want you to hear what she said. She said, now listen to this. One of the biggest mistakes we make is to believe there is only one way. She says, one of the biggest mistakes we make is to believe there's only one way. Okay, that's directly pointed to Christians and Jesus, okay? She says, there are many diverse paths leading to God. Okay, here's the problem with that. First, Oprah is not a theologian. Okay, she's a talk show host. And number two, she's dead wrong. That's not even logically possible. Okay? When two things are different, they're not the same. Can we just sit here for a minute and understand this together? Because it really is important. All religions are the same. We're all going the right direction. We're all reaching for God in our own way. But listen, if one says one thing and another says another thing, somebody is wrong. You're aware today, I'm sure, that there are religions who are abusive to women. They exist today. No books, no education. Cover yourself up so we can only see your eyes. Oppress them. I don't know if you've been watching the news, but if you recall from last week in Nigeria, hundreds of Christian schoolgirls were kidnapped by an Islamic group. And chances are, if they're not rescued, they will be sold off into slave sex trafficking. Do you imagine mothers? So, so how does that jive with Christianity? Which Christianity says, wait a minute, in Jesus Christ there is neither male nor female, Jew or Greek, bond or um, free. We're all one in Christ. Christianity says, wait a minute, there is value in each individual. You see, these things are not the same. Mohammed said, hey, if you're going to get to heaven, you've got to tra- take a trip to Mecca. You know what Jesus said to the Samaritan woman? Lady, it doesn't matter where you worship, in this mountain or Jerusalem, because the true worshipers of God will worship God in spirit and truth. You see, there's a difference there. They are not the same. 
I'm not leading the same way. The Hindu this morning believes in millions, millions of gods. And lots of them are out of control. You can't control them. Christianity says, hey, there's one God, the creator of heaven and earth. He is holy, righteous, just, loving, and kind. And he is not out of control. He is in sovereign control. There's a difference. The Buddhist, their goal is to be snuffed out eventually. We're going to become part of this oneness of the universe, and so my goal is eventually to become nothing. Christianity says, wait a minute. You'll be resurrected with a body, and you will stand before God, some to damnation, some to life everlasting, and for those of us who are saved, we will enjoy God in a body forever. They're not the same. And let's just hit it where it really does matter about salvation, all religions about salvation. Certainly there may be things that we have in common, but when it comes to salvation, all but one faith, all of them, but one says, the responsibility of your salvation rests upon your shoulders. You've got to work, you've got to do, you've got to travel, you've got to sacrifice. Only one says, I am God, I'm going to step into your world, I'm going to pay a debt I did not owe to pay a debt that you could not pay. That's the message. They're not the same. And this morning, if you have a problem with this, yeah, all these roads, I'm just going to... Your problem ultimately is with Jesus Christ. Understand that? Because he's the one... He is the founder of Christianity who said, mankind is sinful. Mankind needs a savior. And by the way, I am the only savior. There is no other, right? So it's about Christ. And so we may not like this, but the truth is, Paul says, this is the fact. There are some who are in, there are some who are out. That's the way it is. All roads are not leading to the same place. If it hits us the wrong way, we better just ask ourselves, listen, it's not logical. It's not right. All roads don't lead to heaven. And so he says in verse number 9, back in the text, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. He says to them, your behavior, what you did, this selfishness, this I want my own way, not laying down your own life, it was unrighteous, and he likens that to people outside of the church, who themselves are unrighteous. They're lost without God. You're acting like those who are lost. He says in verse 9, Be not deceived. Don't be deceived. And listen to me. I want you to understand something. He's talking to professing believers, but he says this. Don't be deceived. If your behavior is continually like non-believers, chances are you are not a believer. I don't want you to go through this process of the church where you're trying to rip people off and sue people and think somehow you're okay and that's all right and this is acceptable. He said, don't deceive yourself. That's not the case. And here's what Paul does to really hammer this home. What he does then is he gives a list of people who are, by their behavior, unrighteous. Let's look at the list this morning and then we'll comment on it. 
Be not deceived, neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, nor feminine, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Let me say a couple things about this list this morning before we delve into it. This list is not exhaustive. Paul is not saying, listen, in this list are all the people who are unrighteous, and these are all the people that are out of heaven, out of God's kingdom. He's not doing that. So if you're here this morning and you didn't hear your sin read, it doesn't mean your sin is not sinful. Paul is just characterizing now a society without God, a society that moves away from God, the world that doesn't look like God. This list is not exhaustive. Number two, this list is not speaking about an isolated incident. We can go through that list, and we will in a moment, and you're going to find that on that list, there are sins that apply to you and to me. And Paul is not saying, if you're on this list, you're not making it. Okay? He's not saying that. Not one isolated act. It is a pattern of life. Whereas we look at your life, this is how it's described. There's no signs or evidence of life here. Number three, Paul is not sugarcoating the fact. These names that are given, this behavior, it's not sweet talk. Paul is not saying, hey, listen, here's a, here's a list of uh, behavior, but it's really a choice. It's kind of a preference. It's an alternative lifestyle or even a disease. He doesn't do that. He calls this behavior unrighteousness. You say, Rick, why do you always talk about sin? You get tired of talking about sin. Can I tell you something? You can't go through the word of God, honestly, and not hit sin. It's, it's in here. And it's in here a lot. Do you know why it's in here a lot? Because God knows it's destructive for us. He wants us to recognize it. The Bible's honest with the human condition. And the truth is, he tells us about sin so we can be freed from it. It's remedial. The Bible says there's an answer, there's hope for this. But you've got to know you're a sinner. You've got to know your condition first. And so Paul says it like it is. He's not sugarcoating anything. He's telling the truth because the truth makes us free. And finally about this list, I want you to understand that this list is not irrelevant. Some pastors and teachers and preachers, they love to take a a sinful action that no one is doing and preach hard about it or against it at church so they don't offend anyone, right? Right? It'd be like me saying this morning, I'm going to really preach hard this morning. You think this is bad. It's, here, here I go. I'm going to really hammer home this sin. Every one of you rascals who leave this place and you go home on your Atari game system and you're playing Space Invaders, I want you to know something. You're in big trouble with God. Now, how many of you folks even know what an Atari game system is? Yeah, some of you do. Right. How many have no idea what I just said? I, I, right. Okay. Between old and young, they had no idea. Or if I said, hey, listen to me, I'm going to tell you something. I am so frustrated. You folks are so sinful. You're taking your eight-track player and you're listening to meatloaf in your car. (laughs) Like, why would you listen to food in your car? How many folks know what I'm talking about? 
We have an older crowd than I thought this morning. Okay? The truth is, it doesn't matter. We'd all be saying, amen, man, that's great, pastor. Man, preach it against those people, those meatloaf-loving babies. You'll get them. We could do that. That's not what Paul is doing here. This list, you check out Corinth, this was happening in their community. This was happening in their church. And for Paul to mention these things, you're going to see in a minute, they're bold, man. Paul is not a coward. Paul is not afraid. Paul is going to proclaim truth because he knows that truth is the only way we have freedom. And he's concerned about the church. He doesn't want the church to look like the world. Because when the church looks like the world, we're ineffective in this world. Let's look at the list this morning. Back in our text. He says, fornication. And I I was made known to me a couple weeks ago that maybe this is an old Bible word. Fornication means any sexual immorality. Anything outside the confines of a covenant relationship between a man and woman is fornication. And Paul says, the individuals whose lifestyle and pattern are that of fornication will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, now just let me help you with this, okay? Remember the connection. He's talking to a bunch of guys in church. They weren't doing these things But Paul equates their sin in the same boat. And for some of you people here, and myself included, we sit in church and we think, that's not me, it doesn't matter to me, that list is, yeah, that's for all those folks outside here. Can I tell you something? Everything on this list, that desire is within all of us. Every last one of us. So before you get all haughty and arrogant about things that you don't do, understand, but by the grace of God, right? You're going to see in a minute, we're either all saved out of this or saved from it. And they're both grace. Okay? Fornication. Idolaters worshiping something or someone other than God. Adulterers, people who destroy a covenant relationship. Either they leave their covenant relationship and their promise before God, or they get into someone else's covenant relationship where they don't belong. Effeminate, abusers of themselves with mankind. Some versions put these two things together. It's the idea of blurring the genders of homosexual activity. And again, If you don't think this was important in Corinth, it was. In Corinth, they knew what Paul was talking about. It was obvious to them. He goes on, he says, thieves, those who steal, taking something that doesn't belong to you, covetous. And this is one of those that we read over that, uh, yeah, covetous, whatever that is. It means to be greedy. And again, I, I know that that would affect our society or our world today, but let me give you a little illustration. True study was done not too long ago. I don't know how many people they took, but they asked this question. If you could make $50,000 a year for the rest of your life, 
and all your friends made $25,000 a year for the rest of their life, would you take that? Or if you could make $100,000 a year for the rest of your life, and all your friends make $200,000 a year for the rest of your life, what would you choose? Something along that. I know it's not the exact study, but it's something like that. And the vast majority, over 80%, said they would rather make $50,000 for the rest of their life and all their friends make twenty-five. dollars Do you know why they said that? Because we're greedy. And if I'm not prospering, I don't want anybody else prospering. Boy, it reveals our hearts. That's so bizarre to me. I'm making 50 grand, 50 grand, 50 grand. No, I don't want anybody else making more than me. Greedy. He goes on, drunkards. Out of control with alcohol. Out of control. You're a drunkard, he says. Will not inherit the kingdom of God. Revilers. That's the idea of your tongue. What you say. People who use their words, and listen to me, this is not just old ladies around some gossip sewing circle. This is for young people, too. Using your words to destroy people's lives, to destroy their testimonies, to criticize. And extortioners, which are swindlers, people who rip others off. Paul says, they shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Listen to me this morning. It's very important. God has a kingdom. And his kingdom is righteous. And if you want to continue to be unrighteous, you will not be in his kingdom. That's, that's not new to Paul. It's not new to the Bible. That's, that's our Christian theology. Because in the end, there are only two types of people. Those who say to God, thy will be done, and those to whom God says, your will be done. Have it your way. If this is what you want, I'm not going to force you into this. Paul says, these folks will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Now, let's look together at verse number 11 and perhaps some of the greatest words in all of the New Testament when it comes to conversion. He, says, he gives us this list. Don't you know these people aren't going? This is a problematic. They're unrighteous. Verse 11. And such were some of you. Hey, church, this is what you were like. This is how you behaved. This is when you were lost. This is what you used to be. And such were some of you. Paul is saying that life should be past because by God's grace, you have been saved. And, and stay with me now, because the point he is making is that if you continue in this behavior, chances are you're lost. But if you fall to this behavior and you repent, you, you're, you're reminding yourself and everyone else that this is not the behavior for the believer. I was redeemed from this. The words that he uses there, and such were some of you. You're no longer what you used to be. And the fact is, if we were to, to translate that the way it literally reads there, he would say, and such were some of you, but, and you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified. Paul says, listen, something happened in your past. You were washed from the filth of the former life. God has already removed stains of the past sin. 
Christian, listen to me. This is some of the greatest news in the world. My past, your past, believer, it doesn't matter. You can't change it anyways. But it doesn't matter. Whatever I did in the past, I was washed. The blood of Christ cleansed me from all of my sins. It doesn't matter what happened in the past. You were washed. He says you were sanctified. You were set apart to live a holy life. God did this in you. There's a stark contrast there between what we used to be and what we are to be today. You're sanctified. God has already begun the work of ethical transformation. And he says, you were justified. You were justified. That word justified is a great word. It means to be declared righteous. It means to be declared innocent. It means now because of Jesus Christ washing us and setting us aside, sanctifying us, now God looks upon us and he says, you are innocent. You are righteous. My kingdom is righteous. You now are righteous. You can inherit my kingdom. God has already given forgiveness and a right standing for him. Now here's the deal. Here's Paul's theology. And here's what he's saying in this verse. He is talking to people within the church. He says this. Your behavior amongst yourself in this lawsuit deal was unrighteous. Christian people don't act like that. They don't. They shouldn't. Your behavior is just like everybody else outside of these walls that are wrapped up in this pattern and lifestyle of sin. Now, if you continue with this behavior, what you are saying is, there's never been a real change in my life. Oh, I may have prayed a prayer. I may have felt really bad. I may have gone through a crusade. I may have raised my hand. He says, listen, no change, no salvation. I have to tell you something. One of the concerns that I have as a pastor, my greatest concern, is that we'll have people come to this church week in and week out for years, and they will hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, his coming again. And they'll sit, and as that's preached and proclaimed, year after year they'll sit there and they'll be lost. They'll be lost. You can tell. You look at them and their eyes, they just sort of glaze over. And it terrifies me to think that people in this church can sit here and be lost. But it happens. It happens all the time. And that's why Paul is so adamant here. He says, listen, you better examine yourself. Don't be sitting around. If your lifestyle and the pattern of your life is contrary to what God is doing in the life of believers, then something is wrong there. There's got to be a change. So he says, but if you are saved, and you understand what I'm saying, and you're convicted about this, and you've fallen into this, he said then, stop acting like the world. Stop it. The experience of grace leads to right behavior. Can I tell you something? If we would just stop and understand that we as believers have been washed, my sins are gone. My sins of the past are gone. No matter what I get involved, it's done, it's done deal. I've been washed. I have been sanctified. I have been set apart for God's glory to live a holy life. It's been done already. It's a done deal. I have already been justified. 
just as if Rick Dressler has never sinned. I'm innocent. And that act of grace should do something. It should shake me to my core in gratitude, saying, God, because you have done this for me in my past, I want to live for you now. Some of you folks make a terrible mistake. You, you, you understand this idea of the past. I was saved. I was washed. I was sanctified. I was justified. And you think that it's done then. That now you just do what you want to do. My friend, you don't understand salvation. We were saved. We are saved. We are being saved. And this act of grace that was shed upon our hearts and lives I'm not talking about sinless perfection. I know we all struggle. We stumble through these things. But I'm talking about the fact that even when I fall, God, I don't want to be here. I know there's more than this. I know the peace and the joy of fellowship with you. Lord, help me. Help me. If we've experienced God's grace, we should have right behavior. We must repent and get things right. The title of the message was, All dogs don't go to heaven. Okay? They don't. They don't. The only ones who go to heaven are the ones who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And this morning, if you don't know him, you need to know him. You must repent and believe. We can help you with that. We can show you what the Bible says. But for the rest of us, listen to me. Don't minimize our sinful actions. Paul doesn't do it. He's talking about a lawsuit with these guys, and he says, listen, you're on the same level as the rest of the people on this list, and they're not going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. Quit acting like the world. And, and this has, the gospel has real-life application where the rubber meets the road. Quit acting like the world in this church with people here. Don't be wrapped up like the typical, oh, they gossip, they're critical, they're always talking about everybody else. He hates her and she hates them and we sit here because he's up there and this. It's nonsense. It should be changing in our lives, in our churches. It should be changing in our homes. We should not be like the world in our homes. Listen, I was a youth pastor for 10 years and I could, I'm amazed at how many kids would come to my office and say, Pastor, my family is not what you think it is. Because it was hypocrisy. Like, the whole world's full of hypocrites. It's not to happen in our homes, in our places of work. Christian people, we should be working hard. We should be honest. An honest day's pay for an honest day's wage. Or no, how does that go? You know what I'm talking about. Whatever. Work hard. Make your money. Do it right. Don't be like everybody else. When the boss walks out, you sit down and you slack off and it doesn't matter to you. We should be different. There should be a difference. And Paul is telling these guys, listen to me. I want you to remember something. The unrighteous aren't inheriting the kingdom of heaven. But that's not you anymore. Because that's not you. Quit it. Knock it off. Don't stay there. Repent. God, I've blown it here. This is an area that I'm struggling with. I need your help. Forgive me. Make it right with other people. Make it right with God. And by his grace, get up and understand that grace changes everything. Everything. Paul says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, 
nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God, and such were some of you. But now you're washed, but now you're sanctified, but now you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Let's have a word of prayer this morning.